it's the people. It's, you know, keeping these rural health clinics open, giving that person the opportunity to to become, I want to say, part of your clinic because it is like a family. You, know, you have those people that come in, you know, quick, often, and you, you're quickly to have them step into your hearts and want to take care of them, have them come back, but keep providing good health care, great health care in those rural communities for those people that don't go to, you know, the bigger cities, the suburbs, just providing that in a neighborhood. I'd like to see it not threatened, but as population grows, you know, it does happen. So just keep providing that good rural health health care. Welcome to This is Rural Health, a podcast from the California State Rural Health Association. The CSRHA is focused on ensuring that the needs and voices of rural Californians are expressed and heard, and is continually working toward improving the quality and length of life of rural Californians. This podcast brings together leaders in rural healthcare with policy advisors, community leaders, and other forward thinkers to gain a better understanding of what's happening across today's rural healthcare ecosystem. Each week, you'll hear the unique perspectives of industry and community leaders and how they're finding innovative solutions to the challenges of a rapidly changing and increasingly complex healthcare industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to This is Rural Health. I am your host, Scott Hertzberg, president of the California State Rural Health Association. And in today's episode, we're going to do another one of our board member profiles. This time, we are meeting with our newest board member, Jody Olds. Jody was sworn in just last month, and we're very excited to have her after her many years of involvement with the board. Jody. So if you remember, we are have a series of questions we're going to go through, and the idea behind this is to give our members and our listeners a better understanding of who our board is made up of and all the different folks that come together to make rural health happen here in California. So just to kick things off for fun, what is one item that you cannot leave your house without? I'm going to have to say chapsticks. Chapstick! You know what? That is not the answer that we were expecting. We're we are figuring everyone's going to go phone, but I love that you go chapstick. Yeah, you know me very well, and I threw you a curveball. Have you ever, this is an official question, have you ever made it to the bottom of a chapstick tube legitimately, not like you left it in the car and it melted? Absolutely not. Right? How many half-filled chapstick containers are there in the world? All right. So another question we'll say from the just for fun section, what is one hobby that you would love to get into? You know, if you had the time and the money, what's something you'd love to get into? Oh, goodness. I am definitely not one of those crocheters or knitters. And I love the tumbler phase, but I don't know if I could handle the glitter everywhere. So I think my hobby would be more sports-like. All right. Maybe running without anybody chasing me. I'd like to be a runner, but not be miserable about it. So a hobby, yeah. I like it. And you've got some nice good trails where you are. You could do a little running. I do, yeah. That would be cool. Yeah, running's good. I, I'm a person who likes to have have been running, but not to be running. So I like to look back and be like, man, that was a good run, but I, it's hard to get me motivated to actually go run. Yeah, my sport of choice was uh, softball because I only had to run 90 feet at a time. I like it. And only if you hit, got a hit. I know. Okay, so you are in Northern California, and you've been at Adventist Health, which has uh, been a CSRHA partner for a number of years. I used to work there with you. So what is it that you do now at Adventist Health? 
Uh, as of January, I joined the ambulatory team where I had been working in the rural health, doing surveys at the rural health clinics. And now starting in January, I have all of the clinics that we are doing. So we're doing the accreditation in the ambulatory. So at the moment, I am doing surveys for the hospitals and the clinics that are under the hospital license. Right. So rural health clinics, as well as the hospital-based outpatient clinics that are not rural health. Correct. I know for Adventist, that's a lot of clinics. That's, that's a few hundred. Just a few. Just a few hundred. Well, we really appreciate you kind of working to lift our rural health clinics in California and beyond. We're not going to slight you because you help out Oregon and you know Hawaii as well. But my first love is rural health. So Absolutely. So what led you into this career? Well, I was up in the risk department and I sat next to a lovely woman I think we all know, Heather Hawkins. Yes, Heather Hawkins, our former president now. What is she? Past president. Right. So she sat next to me. She was under risk and then she started doing the dental clinics. And then I got introduced to you. So I went from risk to to rural health doing surveys, but I'm one of those who likes to read policies, procedures, and goes by the rules. So the rural health surveyors sort of just fit into my wheelhouse. I, uh, you know, I'm a rural follower as well. And yeah, I like that rural has a nice, a nice good set of rules to follow and uh, pretty well-written guidance. And we have some really great folks in rural in the, like, the third-party accreditation space that really help keep everything on the rails. So that's great. Amazing people. So now you've been in, what, three different positions there at Adventist. What has surprised you while working there? And then What has surprised me is that I am non-clinical. So I am one of those with a legal background. So being able to take the legal background and learn the clinical side and having it all work together. I didn't think that I would fit in as well as I do not knowing or being an RN or MA. Or are you telling me that there's a career for people who work in clinics who are not nurses? Yeah, can you believe that? You hear that, folks? This is a wonderful thing. You don't have to be a nurse to work in rural health. <laughs> oh, and it's always learning for sure. Yes, as a fellow non-clinical person, I appreciate that. So you are, I said earlier that you are the newest board member of the CSRHA. What drove you? Why did you want to be on the board? Because you've been kind of working alongside the CSRHA for a couple of years. I don't know if people know, but you were kind of a behind-the-scenes person for our last couple of conferences. You know, and I think it's the people. And I've always had a type of servant's heart, and I think... The rural communities are where those servants' hearts are needed. And uh, I'm a people person, and I love helping out. So, yeah, just rural health sort of fits in. I'm a country girl at heart. So, yeah, rural just sort of fit, and my servants' heart for the people in the rural communities. I like that. That's, that's very nice. So if we go kind of shifting gears a little bit, a little more personal, what advice would you give to teenage Jody? Oh, goodness. You're going to be shocked about this one as well. Chapstick. All of my younger years, I was overweight. And growing up with that stigma of thinking that, you know, a size 12 is overweight, I'd like to go back and tell my younger self that you're not fat and you're beautiful. 
and uh, just keep chugging along because when you're a teenage girl and you think you're overweight, you think you're ugly, it really uh, affects your mental and your self-worth. So younger me, I'd say you're not fat and you're beautiful. So I'd have a different perspective, I guess, of myself with more confidence. It's really unfortunate that experience takes so much time to get. <laughs> right. Right. I would, I would love to just have some of that 40-year-old wisdom when I was 20. Or when I do tell my children, you know, that they are beautiful, that they're not fat, they are worthy, and yeah, they don't believe it. It's like, no, no, just trust me. Look at me. Believe me. You're beautiful. So. Well, clearly, every time someone compliments me, I'm like, oh, I'm a horrible person because I've tricked you into thinking that I am worthy of your compliments. So then I'll say, what do you do to turn things around when you're having a bad day? And this could be a, a you know, a personal bad day, but we all know we have those professional bad days where we we log into our email and we see, oh man, something went totally sideways. How are we going to unstick ourselves? So this is hilarious. I have a ring camera and I always forget that I have a ring camera. And so just recently, like, I don't know, a week and a half ago, having a really bad day, I step out front, just take a nice deep breath of fresh air, look around at the beautiful, look down at my, my path with my pond. And my daughter texts me and's like, what are you doing standing out front looking up in the sky? <laughs> so my daughter busted me having a bad day. But yeah, I just step outside, take a deep breath, look at the sunshine. And uh, depending on the bad day, I may head down that hill and go for a quick walk. Our, our children have a really good way of grounding us and, and bringing us back to reality and reminding us that we are wonderful people. The blessing of children is that they really can see through all of the garbage to the nice gooey center inside. Yep. So yeah, now I have to beware of standing in front of the ring camera and staring into space. Well, that's great. I'm glad that, that you've got access to it. And, and you are working remote, right? As many of us the last several years. And so now I will say the the Adventist Health Corporate Office is gorgeous and had a wonderful uh, you know set of amenities to be able to walk outside, go on a trail. But it's great to have that as home as well. I can say so much of my mental health has improved by the ability to step away from the computer and go outside. Right, go walk. I'm gonna go walk and get the mail. It's you know 400 feet, but it's a break. It's a shift. Same. When we first got into the lockdown, you know me, I was a people person. So to be stuck at home by myself, it was tough at first. And I even went through, you know, a little bit of depression because I wanted to see people. They sort of fill my bucket. Yeah. So you had, I mean, that's a difference, right? From a few years ago to how you are now, right? Right. And now they're like, well, you can come in on a Wednesday. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. So what if you have different bucket fillers now? Yes, absolutely. That that's good. Yeah, it it was a very interesting transition. But I think that in healthcare, I mean, we had the the double challenge, right? In healthcare, of dealing with the actual health crisis that happened and is still happening in varying degrees, depending on where you are. But we had to shift. You know, my wife is a teacher, and she would always joke like, "Well, my job can't go remote." Turns out it can. And a lot of us in healthcare, same thing. We're like, "Well, our, our jobs can't go remote." And we've been able to shift some things around to make that work for a lot of different people. And I think one of the benefits, um, and we've talked about it on, on this show before, is that with increased broadband abilities, you know, we're able to reach patients who are working from home and not able to come in. You know, my doctor was across the street from my office, and now, you know, my doctor can be anywhere because I can do telehealth. So it's, 
it's nice, this shift that we've been able to make. Yeah. As far as the survey side goes, I am still that people person and I still want to travel. So trying to do remotes, yeah, doing a remote survey, like you said, we first tried to do the virtual survey, do it yourself, tell me you have this. And that didn't work. So now we're sort of doing it through teams and it kind of works, but doing a survey, you need to be there. I need to be there. So as far as that goes, yeah, I can't do that remotely or can't. I'm trying to do it remotely, but I would really rather be there hands-on, face-to-face, you know, making that connection. You need uh, one of those like iPad robots that drives around and, you know, because you got to be able to like, yes, I'm going to look in your binders, but also I need to see your parking lot. Right. I need to see the huge crack in your parking lot that doesn't have yellow tape or spray paint on it that someone's going to miss and have an incident. Yeah. You're not going to tell me there's, you know, a really nasty stained ceiling panel. You're going to avoid showing me that. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get there someday. Right. We're, we're going to flatten this curve someday. All right. Well, kind of speaking about that a little bit, you know, from your perspective, you're on the regulatory side of things you're doing surveys virtually or in person so from your perspective in that arena what is our biggest challenge right now in rural health and how can we encourage our audience to get involved to help meet this challenge you know that's a great question there's you know depending on perspective there's several ways to do it and me it's the people it's you know keeping these rural health clinics open giving that person the opportunity to to become, I want to say, part of your clinic because it is like a family. You, know, you have those people that come in, you know, quick, often, and you, you're quickly to have them step into your hearts and want to take care of them, have them come back, but keep providing good health care, great health care in those rural communities for those people that don't go to, you know, the bigger cities, the suburbs, just providing that in a neighborhood, I'd like to see it not threatened, but as population grows, you know, it does happen. So just keep providing that good rural health, you know, yeah, healthcare. Keep showing up, right? Keep showing up. So much about life is just showing up. Yeah, like Bob Smith around the corner who comes in for something but never comes back. You got to see him at the grocery store and say, hey, Bob, come see me. Well, and... and- you know, when a lot of people, when they think about healthcare, they think of hospitals, which are definitely a critical component to our healthcare. But I think that they forget that people go to clinics when they're sick, but also when they're healthy, right? They go because it's time for their oral change, right? Their routine maintenance. Um, in addition to, hey, I, I hurt my foot the other day. I really need some help. Or, you know, I'm having some weird, you know, heartburn that's longer than normal. Like we have those things, but we also have the regular check-ins. And because, you know, clinics are in the communities, we can have that, as you said, like you, you become part of it. You know, I've had the same dentist for the last 30 years. I don't know how my dentist has stayed 40 for the last 30 years, but somehow he has. And so, you know, when we get that with rural health, when your pediatrician is now your kid's pediatrician, right? Like these are some amazing relationships that you can. And, and it's harder to have that in a large city that might have a lot of turnover. So, right. And funny you say, yeah, funny you say dental, because to be honest with you, I don't know if you know me. I'd rather go through childbirth again than go to the dentist. So when I see my dentist or, you know, whoever there, it's like, 
I'm going to see them and go, yeah, I need to get in there. Yeah, I need to get in there. Or I drive by their dental office, you know, when I leave my my neighborhood. Oh, I got to get to the dentist. So having that close to me. So, I, you know, here me living in the city, well, I'll call later. I'll call in a year. I'll call when my tooth hurts. But in a smaller community and having that dental office and having that rural health clinic, it's going to make me be like, yeah, it'll hold me more accountable. And thanks to the value of quality measures, they want to reach out to you to get you in for those preventative visits. Yes, they do. Well, Jody, um, anything that you'd like to say in closing as we finish up our, our nice 20 minutes? You know, no. I was going to say just, yeah, it, I love doing this. I enjoy being on the board. CSRAJ has definitely helped me along the way. It helps me fulfill my servant's heart. And I'm enjoying it. I can't wait to see and meet everybody out there if we ever get to have a conference again. Yes. Well, as as things open up and more people get vaccinated and, and we see infection rates going down, I'm sure that we will have an in-person conference. Our plan is for next year, but we said that last year. So everyone just keeps showing up. And thank you so much, Jody, for your time. And thank you for for joining our board, uh, breathing a little new life into our venerable agency. Thanks for bringing me along for the ride. Absolutely. All right, everybody, take care and be safe. This is Rural Health is the official podcast of the California State Rural Health Association and is made possible by the generosity of our members. Our producer is Noelia Sanchez at Noteworthy Lab. To learn more about the CSRHA or to become a member, visit us at csrha.org. If you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic for the show, email us at podcast at csrha.org. To make sure you don't miss any future episodes, please be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at Podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support of the California State Rural Health Association. This is Rural Health. It's copyright by the California State Rural Health Association. To find out more about the CSRHA, visit us at csrha.org.